Are you a sheep? No. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls don't play, girls games. Don't play games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams and voices. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Hearing, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, my name is Monica and with me today again is my lovely, amazing, hilarious, awesome, glorious, funny, cute and whatever co-host Amanda. Applause, applause. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. All the applause. You know, this like may have started out as a joke, us using all the adjectives for each other, but I gotta say it's a wee boost for the ego, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But apparently we generally have a weird way of starting these kind of episodes. I think we're just weird. Well so I second that. embrace it, right? Yes. True. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? All good in the hood. Any news in Geeky Town? Mm, not really, but I do need to say that I watched Unicorn Store and it was amazing! Yay! I watched Yay! it too and it was okay. I know you didn't like it as much as me, but I thought that it was friggin' awesome. Yeah, and we don't always have to agree with everything that we're saying on here. Makes it interesting when we don't. Yeah, and I mean, it's not that I hate it, it's just that... You was didn't a- really like it. No, I also liked it and I really liked the story of it. Like the, but it was so extra in parts. I think that's why I loved it so much. I don't know. Because I used to be quite extra as well. <laughs> you also wanted a unicorn? Uh, not so much a unicorn. Um, I didn't really want a unicorn, but I used to, and still do, uh, dress in a lot of bright colors. And I'm just, uh, I can be a bit OTT. I don't know what OTT, what do you mean by OTT? Over the top? Ah. Over the top. There you go. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about a documentary that Monica found on Netflix called The Mask You Live In. And one might wonder, why are you talking about this documentary? Documentary is from 2015, and it basically deals with the definition of masculinity. Yeah, it focuses in the United States of America. And it has educators, psychologists, uh, neuroscientists, and then it's children and teenagers talks with males and females, at least adults. And then all the the younger people are male adolescents uh, going through life. And it talks about their challenges and the way that masculinity is thrust on them. Um, and it addresses like video games and sex and relationships and family and just why there is such an epidemic of toxic masculinity. And you might wonder, but you're a feminist podcast. Why are you talking about this? Because basically we're a humanist podcast and that's why it matters for all of us. It's also really important to try to understand the perspective or the pressures that a lot of young men and men are facing 
and have faced throughout their life and why those types of like that behavior is so negative and against feminism. I feel we often make men the ultimate, like the straight white men, right? Is the ultimate evil. Or that's what we are, what is often blamed through feminism. And we've said it as well, oftentimes that the straight white men, right? Mm-hmm. But straight white old men, usually. <laughs> you got to put right, the old. old. Sorry. <laughs> Forgot the old because we can add some ages into it as well. (laughs) And it's still a big group that gets the most benefits, right? And straight white old men, (laughs) sorry, they have a lot of power, but that power doesn't come without pressure. And that doesn't mean just because it is as it is at the moment that all these constructs are something that are great for boys and great for men themselves, because there's a lot of pressure behind that as well. And that is basically what the documentary was about. So as you said, it was made in the US. So I think that's just, then it was very US heavy, really. It was. Mm-hmm. Statistics were American based. And I think every specialist that they brought in were American as well. Mm. But I think that's like America is a big country, a big country, and they are also obviously one of the biggest populations in the world. And their the toxic masculinity is so in their culture, in their society. It's like it's learned in a way that I don't think a lot of the rest of the world learns it. I do think the toxic masculinity is not something that's just. That's a worldwide epidemic. (laughs) I'm not saying it doesn't exist throughout the rest of the world. But I feel in that documentary, a lot of the situations in the US are definitely nurturing that entire problem more. The documentary walks you through the life of a male person, Mm -hmm. basically. So it starts with kindergarten brings them through school, then shows you what's wrong in the school system, in the kindergarten system, then continues throughout their lives and addresses different kinds of topics. So as Amanda said, they talk about um, video games and media in general, but then also about sexuality and porn and stuff like that. So it basically addresses a lot of different areas in the lives of males and Especially the school part for me as well was something where I was like, I'm not entirely sure if that's something that you can put on every other country the way that it is situated or that is happening in the US somehow. I feel that school system, that classicism kind of in the school system totally enforces all that problematic that they talk about in the movie or in documentary. I totally agree with you. There was one family on in particular, uh, a young a young mom with her with her son, talking about how she specifically chose a Christian based school for to send her son to, because she figured or she she believed that a religious school would uh, be a lot more nurturing and well rounded and provide a better social experience for her son. And she so she she sent her son obviously through kindergarten. And found his behavior changing throughout the year. And it turns out like he was being bullied because 
he like didn't want to pick fights and that was so sad it was so sad <laughs> in general this documentary was really heavy stuff again yeah there was there was an awful lot in it mm. <laughs> like the very first scene actually um from the very like the very start the introduction and it was all these little boys talking about like if if you knew the real me you'd know i'm scared you'd know I'm angry, you'd know, I don't have a dad, you know, that my dad's in jail, like all of this stuff. And I was just sitting here messaging Monica, like, what are we watching? I'm crying. (laughs) Like we're two minutes into this and I'm literally crying. Um, Yeah. Just hearing these small children, like eight, six, seven, eight year old boys already having to hide their true emotions behind this mask, like being too afraid to actually talk about how they feel. The general problem with toxic masculinity is not that being masculine is the problem, but within the toxic masculine society and in general, if you treat gender as something that gives you more power over others or something that has to define who you are so much that you cannot be who you are anymore, that's basically where all the problems come in. And when you have a very narrow understanding of masculinity, then that means you cannot show your emotions, you cannot be weak, you cannot cry, you solve your problems with violence. That's a whole lot to go through. Like you cannot be interested in anything that is kind of weak and everything, all that definition is so narrow and so aimed towards being the opposite of female and at the same time degrading everything that's female so that in the end you have a a population of people whose biggest fear is to be weak and vulnerable and looking down on the others who are and then thinking about themselves as being as superior basically because everything they had to be in life is not that and that is so bad and if you if you are weak and vulnerable then you get attacked you get bullied you get hit you get beaten up and everything so you do everything that you can in your power to not be that which is basically also working against that and that's where a lot of the issues between um, males and females come in because at the same time, building a culture where it's okay to call someone a pussy and, and, and all that shitty stuff that's generally going on. And without it seeming to be a problem, but the problem starts way earlier, basically. Definitely. My mind is like, which way do I want to go with <laughs> what I want to say here? Um in terms of like the gendered words, like the masculine and feminine words, I was really impressed with the educator that was talking with a group of men in a prison. And he mm-hmm. had on a board masculine words that the prisoners gave him and then feminine words. And like you say, like things on the masculine side were like tough and violent and brave and brr, you know, like there was so many words. Like I can't even, I can't even think about them right now. There was just so many. And then on the women's side, like, or the feminine side, it was like submissive and weak and emotional and loving and all this. And the listening to the prisoners talk actually was amazing. I, I think everybody needs to watch this, even just for this, like the scenes with mm-hmm. the prisoners. It was Blew, blew my mind, really. Um, but then at the end of, of their scenes, 
the educator was like, what if I just erase these lines, erase masculine and feminine? And these are all words that we can all embrace. And the prisoners who are, most of them were in there for like gang murders and, and murdering to like show up against their peers, you know, and they were like, I wish that that is the kind of people that we could be. Mm. But then, okay, yes, I can talk about both points. <laughs> Going back to what you said, like it's taught a long time ago. Like we as a society teach young boys that it's not okay to cry, that they need to be tough. They need to grow a set of balls. They need to be stronger. They need to be braver. They need to do better. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, you need to be caring. You need to be whatever kind of boy you want to be. And if that's a boy who shows emotion, good. If that's a boy who feels brave, good. If that's a boy who uh, wants to play with Barbies, good. If that's a boy that wants to play with trucks, good. Mm. But there's so much coming from society, from parents, from media, from teachers, from the random person down the street who says, oh, that's a nice haircut for a boy, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Boys and girls as well. Um, but we're talking about boys here. They're getting it from all angles that they need to be tough. That they cannot embrace whatever they're feeling, really. Yeah. I found especially the beginning that you mentioned super rough because that mother sent her child, who was a pretty sensitive child in general, or just a child having emotions, right, to a place where she thought that it would be nurtured and safe and who puts family first. And then the moment that really triggered her, what she mentioned in the documentary was that she was picking her son up from school and she could see, because obviously she's the mother and she knows her child, she could see that he was struggling so hard not to cry. And then they were driving around the block and only when they were far enough away from school, then he burst into tears because he didn't feel capable in that moment to show his emotion anywhere near that school that he was going to or that kindergarten that he was going to. I was just thinking, this is such a young kid. I mean, when was he seven, eight, maybe? I don't even remember. But such a small child and he is not safe enough in the car with his mother to show his emotions, the emotions that he has. That's so sad. It is really sad. As he progresses through life, that's not the only time he's confronted with stuff like this. So nobody is surprised that in the end when he's coming out through that shithole of crap that he gets, he has to deal with as someone who resents all of that. And it's unnecessary because why? (laughs) I mean, that's not something that just happened, right? So the thing is, it's historical as well. So people the previous generation they've been to some of them been to war or depending on how they are right so my grandparents for example they've been to war they haven't been very nice to to my parents i assume so that wasn't a loving relationship and so it's something that has been passed on from your parents as well and from the fathers as well because fathers have hardly ever been in the last few centuries or generations at least the ones that were the warm kind, the nurturing kind. And that's through parenting that's passed on as well. And they are sometimes rough to their sons, especially their sons. And so it's difficult because men get it from, and boys get it from all angles, really. And the ones that do feel 
that they can be more emotional are oftentimes those who have been raised only by their mothers. We've seen in the documentary, there are a few dads as well who do a really great job with that. So I'm not saying that it's solely women. That's also hitting in the stereotype pretty hard. But it takes a very reflected person to be aware that I don't want to have it like I had it before. So it needs like two cents of reflection from you to notice that I didn't enjoy my childhood very much as a son and I want my son to, I want it to be better for my son. So it's both a learning curve for both of them, really. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think it's important, obviously, because parents are in many cases, not all cases, but they are going to be the people that their children are around most of the time. And I, it is important to for parents to provide to be a role model for for children to to raise them to be loving and kind and good people who support and are happy and know how to express their emotions and know how to support others and be supported and the the single dad in particular that was on in the documentary was he was saying how when he was growing up him his his dad wasn't there and when he found out that his uh that he was going to be a father himself when he was only like what 18 or 19 wasn't it monica yeah he was still in college and yeah and he offered to the mother of the child that he would raise the kid on his own um because they weren't together and and he is like he's he's this the single parent um I, i it was never mentioned like how how like his the mother fits into that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so she could be there, she could not be. But mm-hmm. he makes a point to raise his son in a way that he wasn't raised. He's mm-hmm. showing him love and kindness and support. And he said that he, there was he was never told from his dad that he, that he loves him. So he makes a point of telling his son every single day mm-hmm. that he loves him. And they have this awesome box where they put during the week they put letters to each other in that box. So it doesn't always have to be nice letters. So even if we're, you're angry with your with the other person, you still put the letter in the box. And on Sunday, they open the box together and, and talk about the letters that they've written for each other. And I think that's a really nice way of of, of dealing what you've do, have been doing or what you've been going through in your week. So, And that's stuff that he, I mean, I don't think that somebody told him that. So he came up with that by himself. And it's just, it was great to see that he's, and I mean, not everything is butterfly and unicorns and rainbows all the times. We get that. But I think he's doing a really great job with trying to do better than the previous generation. That's oftentimes so difficult because it's not about saying everything in previous times was super shit because that's really personal. Like it's easy to attack people when you say stuff like this, but it's just a way of acknowledging that that was how it was in that time. But that doesn't mean that it's still valid. And that doesn't mean that we cannot try and make it differently or make a difference um, with how we raise our kids. And it's not about making it personal, like saying you did a shit job. They were all victims of their own childhood. So I get that. But we can keep that as it is and move on from there because especially 
the problem now is, and that I think that's an interesting part that documentary also puts out, is that there is so much more now that influences the how ma males are and females, but how males are seen in society. And that wasn't the case 20, 30, 40 years ago. Well, 20, 30 years ago it was, but <laughs> yeah, 40, 50 years 40, ago. 50 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so because they do address media and how men are also um, displayed in media. Yeah. So masculinity is portrayed in popular culture. So our superheroes and our heroes are violent. Our thugs are black or other males of color and they're violent. And if you're like uh, maybe an overweight white guy, you're probably really funny and the life of the party, but you're going to disrespect women. It's like those are kind of the main stereotypes. That was actually something that totally like where I was like, actually, that's so hardcore. Even the funny guys, right? So you're either a Thor, which don't get me wrong, I approve of a Thor, but <laughs> but you're either you're super buff and you're violent or so superhero movies, action movies, blah, 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 action figures, um, like all, all the, the heroes or the, all the main characters in movies and action movies are all men, they're all aggressive, aggressive or violent at least in some way. And then the thugs, but that also the comedians are a problem because even if they're comedians and they're not buff and pretty like Thor, <laughs> but even if you don't look like that, that's still a problem because you're definitely in these movies, women are immensely degraded. Mm -hmm. So if you think of Hangover, the movie and everything, so that's like, doesn't paint a nice picture for either gender, I feel. No, no, not really. Like there's the other one that I'm thinking of is 21 and 22 Jump Street with Channing Tatum and... Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. I was going to say Jonah Hill, and then I was like, is it Seth Rogen? I was like, no, it's Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, so that's got a buff guy and uh, not as not buff guy. And like, they're, it's, it's a funny movie and it deals with drugs and action and lots of like degrading women. You know, it's like, is there any movies just have like a genuinely nice guy? <laughs> You know, showing emotion and... That is a good question. I can't think of any of the top of my head. I'm trying to think of like more indie movies maybe. But that's a problem. Nobody's watching indie movies. I mean, yeah. that's also not true, but that's not what is portrayed in like... That's not a blockbuster. No. It's no, not it's... what the most of the people see. And the people who watch indie movies are probably already those who... Yeah, who are a bit more sensitive. Yeah. And it's the same for video games. You know, like any emotion that a male character in a video game is going to show, it's 99% of the time it's going to be anger. And they pulled up a stat in, in the documentary that I thought was really interesting. 99% of boys play video games. 99% of boys play video games. Like that's a staggering number. And that's coming from two girls who play video games. Like that is a staggering number, 99%. And 90% of video games for kids over the age of 10 are violent. What? That was a stat that the documentary showed. 90% of video games for ages 10 and up, 10 and up. I must have looked away or something. You know, the thing is, 
I do not deny, right, that there is a connection between violent media creating violence. I don't say that that's not the case, but I do say, I don't like when people say the person was a shooter and he played shooters and that's what made him a shooter. That's something I really detest because that narrows the issue issue down so much. I think the problem is that young kids or young boys in that case get access to stuff that's not appropriate to their age and have parents who have no idea what the kids are doing, what they're playing with, and have no capacity because they don't know what that is to have a serious talk with them about it. And by serious talk, I don't mean you are not allowed to play this, but by sitting with them, playing it with them, and talking with them about it, it doesn't get you anywhere as a parent to tell you to your 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old son who plays GTA, you are not allowed to play this. Because he or she will, if they want to, they will find a way. And by saying they are not allowed to, they just make it more interesting. But instead, it's necessary for the parents to sit down with their kids, maybe play it with them. You know, maybe sit with them, look at that, and then have a talk about this, even though that that's annoying. But that's just, I feel all that consuming of media is just a problem because it's consumed without an option or without the opportunity of reflecting on it. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Monica, because I also don't think that violent video games are on their own the problem. Mm -hmm. It's a contribution of society the pressures that are put on our young boys, the representation of masculinity in pop culture. And yes, that includes video games, but Mm -hmm. it's not solely video games. Mm -hmm. And then parental and adult responsibility to guide children to know that this is a a media representation. This is not an actual representation. This is not the type of person that you need to become something that you play for entertainment or this is something that you watch for entertainment but this is not you this is not who you need to be it does come down to to the adult intervention and guidance to raise the the children and especially young boys because they were showing statistics as well and this blew my mind 96 percent of mass shootings in america since columbine which happened in 1997 have been from men 96 percent of all mass shootings in America are the the murderer, the shooter is is a man they, or a boy or they, a male male child. That's actually people from our own society, yeah, or from the the American society itself, because we fortunately haven't had don't have that many shootings. Yeah. But I assume that there is something very specific in the constellation, and I don't even say that it's solely the access to guns that causes that. I think that's I think that guns are unnecessary to have in the general population, but that's just my opinion. But I feel that... Necessary or unnecessary? Unnecessary. I was just like, Monica, I didn't know that you were the same person. (laughs) No, unnecessary. I don't think why anyone should own a gun who doesn't do that for a living, as in being a cop or being a hunter, but then hunt in an appropriate way and not by going on a killing spree because you like killing animals that I don't approve of. But I can see that how it sometimes is necessary to 
whatever. But I don't see any other reason for other people to have a gun. But I don't think that that's the only issue why there are so many mass shootings in America, because they have access to guns and nobody else has. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's like everything that we've been saying here. It's, it's a combination and a, a culmination of mm all of the pressures that you're getting, that these, these children are getting in uh, society. And they did show a video of some boy who then went, like he posted that on YouTube right before he went and shoot people. And I was so irritated because he didn't look at all like someone who would have been bullied or something. He was a pretty good looking guy. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, the pressure that these boys have to live through sometimes gets to a point where it's unbearable and then because there is no other outlet for them to feel better and that 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 guy in prison said that as well like that they interviewed in the documentary where he said did he kill someone i don't remember probably i think most of them in that chat um, in that circle had he had he sold drugs or something and then he didn't get the money and then he had to do something because he couldn't let him get away and then the only thing he had to he could do in that moment was shoot him six times that's i remember now he shot him six times and he said that was the first time he felt powerful because throughout his life he never felt powerful because of his parents and whatever else he went through so that was the only outlet in that moment and that's so sad. I mean, that's horrible. And again, not justifying anything here. But like, if it goes sour, then that's how sour it can go. And even if we don't go into these kind of extremes, it's why shouldn't men also show emotions? Why? You're, you're right. Like, there's no, literally no reason why men shouldn't show emotion. What I found so intense to fi- to see in that documentary because that was something i wasn't really aware of is that for men or for males often the pressure turns into anger because that was a threat that i saw throughout it because there was this teacher who was also working with a group of boys around like 15 16 or something and he gave them a piece of paper and they had to write and there was a mask on it And on the mask, the kids had to write, what are people seeing on the outside of you? And then they had to turn the sheet around and then write on the backside, but how they really feel. And then they started out with, yeah, people think I'm funny and I'm friendly and I'm a nice person and I'm hilarious and and I'm a good friend. And then they turned the piece of paper around and so many of the boys wrote anger And and fear Fear was the big one that I was shocked by. You feel fear for me was the anger. I was confused, like irritated that so many of them wrote anger there because um, what do you have 15 or 16? What do you have to be angry about that much already in your young life? That that's something that you have to hide inside or carry inside so much. But apparently the pressure that you get from the outside, then like, carbohydrate turns into diamond but instead for boys it turns into anger and fear what i thought was interesting is that a lot of the experts that were on the documentary were saying that when boys teenage boys and young boys are depressed they act out so they don't retreat into themselves they don't retreat into sadness and um like introvert themselves they get 
they, they scream and they swear and they fight and they act out. And it's only recently that teachers and psychologists and doctors are starting to notice that these traits are linked to depression, Mm. that this is how depression is manifesting itself in our young boys. Mm -hmm. There are statistics that made me cry Every day, three boys in America commit suicide. Or was it three three an hour? Actually, I think it was three an hour. Like 30,000 teenage and young boys commit suicide every single year. And that's five times the rate of suicides in the same age of girls. So there, like, there is a mental health epidemic that is going hand in hand with this toxic masculinity. And something has to change. I can't understand how people can still hear that and then still justify that. Do you recall after the Gillette ad where people started to go all full on rampage about, and that one ridiculous thing that I saw is a a father with his like four kids or five kids where three of them were boys and the girl and all the kids had guns in their hands and he was holding a gun in his head and was writing that's what toxic masculinity looks like. And I'm like, what fucking point are you even making, you asshole? And I assume that it's because they feel personally offended by it, but it's nothing against you personally. I mean, if you're an asshole, then yes, it is something personal. <laughs> but we're all suffering. We're all just trying to get through this world unscathed. I really want my nephew to see this documentary. I want everyone to see this documentary. Yes. But my nephew is 17 soon, so it feels like super appropriate. Yeah. I want my friends with kids to watch this documentary. Yeah. Maybe not with their young kids yet, but for them to see it now. Mm-hmm. For sure. Definitely. And the the question that was asked in, I think it was with that teacher and the circle of boys and the masks. And the teacher asked how can I support you? And I thought that is the question. That is the question that we need to ask. That's the question that if you see somebody who's down, ask, how can I support you? If you see somebody who's angry, how can I support you? Like, don't just get angry back at them. Don't just get angry for their emotions because maybe anger is the only emotion that they know how to show. I feel anger is often the hardest one to keep inside. Yeah. Like anger, in st- compared to all the other emotions, anger searches its way out. Like it's easier to show that you're angry than to show it anything else, really. It, it's true. Like uh, anger for me, if I'm angry, like it's it, people are going to know that I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can keep my tears down if I try or I can I cannot tell my boyfriend that I'm sad. But I cannot not tell him that he makes me freaking angry. Yeah. And it is like a tiny explosion when it happens. <laughs> so it and that, that's what anger is. It's like a little ember that's burning and burning and burning. And then all of a sudden it's going to come out whether you want it to or not. It's interesting. But also anger is just showing you something. So anger, anger is showing you that something is wrong. That doesn't mean that the anger itself is wrong. Because you can be angry. It's a valid emotion. Yeah. Because people do not, sometimes I feel don't, you're not allowed to be angry. Even though it's an angry culture, it's not appropriate to be angry. And that's why you shouldn't be. But actually, I think you should be and deal with your anger and not keep it, keep it this burning flame of 
fire. But I think it's important to deal with your anger in a constructive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying like go full on nuke. No, I mean like (laughs) go full on nuke at a pillow or something. That's fine. Like it's okay to release your anger, but let your anger as well fuel you into something great, like fuel you into action. And I don't mean like action as in taking a gun and shooting somebody. I mean like action, like taking your anger at what the government is doing and protest or something because it is okay to be angry i would rather say find the source of your anger because anger does have a source what makes you angry and once you've transformed what makes you angry into something else then you can build something productive out of it because even if you keep your anger and build something from your anger let you say move let your anger be a driving force I feel it's easier to burn out on that anger than if you figure out what makes you angry, transform it into something more productive, and then use that as a fuel. That's good, Monica. (laughs) (laughs) Weeks of therapy, my friend. Well, months. (laughs) And it's, I mean, that's difficult. And oftentimes you don't, you cannot do it by yourself. And I get it. I feel so sorry for so many people. It's so hard for everyone, apparently, because we see Tyrion say, we females are having so hard because we're under attack, basically, by all the men, because they all hate us. Well, that's not true, but that's like super over-exaggerated right now. But it's it's also not, not that they just woke up and were like this. So it's also something very cultural. And we as a society, we created it, but we also can try to change it again because if we don't then who will exactly it's up to this new generation of parents this new generation of children to make the change and it's 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 that cliche saying be the change you want to see in the world but it's true we are the only ones who can change society as Mm -hmm. like how it how it's changing and there are parts of it that are changing and it's slow and it's Sometimes really slow, but there is change so long as enough people are driving the change. And I feel we need to get rid of the... Because a lot of people think change is something bad and change doesn't this have to be bad. Doesn't mean that everything was shit. I don't know, I said it already, but I feel that so many think that we've come this far. How can you say that everything I did in my life was horrible and blah, blah, blah. So that's... Change doesn't... Is nothing bad change can happen and you can you can change as a person as well you don't have to stay the same even though you've been like that for i don't know 40 years or 60 years you can still change in the very old age of your life if you let it Mm -hmm. and that means that your grandchild can have long hair if he's a boy or that means that your grandchild can have a pink potty if it wants one you know so if he's a boy so that's all not threatening to who you are or who they are you mentioned that board where they had this male and female types in prison one of the prisoners said he always felt incomplete in his entire life because he had to keep stuff out of himself that because that was not man enough and he felt incomplete and by being able to embrace also feminine traits, he now feels more whole. And that's basically, that's the goal. Yeah. 
to embody the traits that make you feel good. Yeah. Regardless of whether they're quote unquote masculine or feminine. Quote unquote masculine or feminine is also scientifically a big amount of bullshit. Yes. I knew that already from... So when they when you test a certain amount of males and a certain amount of females and you get results, you always get this bell curve. Um, so there are like... Most of the, them are in the middle and then the rest, they fade out on the side. And if you overlap those two, then you're 90%. We're 90% kind of sim- similar and the same. And there are only just very small uh, amounts that are not overlapping. So... Males and females are more alike than different. But what we hang ourselves up on are these small areas that are not the same. And that's where the stereotypes are created in these very small outlines of two overlapping bell curves. Also scientifically, and I'm like, how ridiculous is this that two small areas define everything else that's underneath them? Yeah, that was eye-opening for sure Mm. and like I think as well the point that the two bell curves were making was like 95 or 90 percent of the population doesn't define itself by that extra 10 percent of difference but the 10 percent of difference if those are the traits that you live by like the people that are extremely masculine and the people that are extremely feminine like they're live a living stereotype basically I really enjoyed that they had neuroscientists who also said that because because often scientists also the same with gender because often if you have um, natural scientists like biologists or doctors or stuff like that then they often say that um, biology is the way to go right and we had neuroscientists who disagreed with that and I agree that uh, gender is a construct. But I feel we could really have, we could really use. Yeah. And then the other thing that was quite prevalent throughout the documentary that we haven't mentioned, so I just want to bring it up before we close, is that the obviously sports is a big thing in America and sport culture. And it has become so much more about the win than it is about. I actually wrote, wrote this down because I was like, whoa. Yes, sports have become more about the win at the expense of character development. So, and it's true. You can see it. You can see the violence in sports. You can see coaches, especially football coaches, but it's not limited to football coaches. Um, Like it's baseball and basketball and every sports coach, basically. And I'm not saying it's every single coach. So this is not like, it's a not all men kind of thing. Like it's not all coaches, but there is such a prevalence that... It's so important to win that they don't care how they treat their, their their team. They're like, you're shit out there. You can't cry. You hit them harder. And like, I would be such a terrible coach, really, because I'm finding <laughs> yeah. it hard to say. But that is the attitude that coaches are thrusting on their children, on their team. And like, it's coming from young ages. Like, there's kids starting playing soccer and football, like at two and three years old. And if these are the coaches that they're going to be growing up with, like this attitude is going to be in their faces for so many years. Mm-hmm. And they were showing clips of, of coaches and sports teams. And the one that really, really shocked me was a high school basketball game, or it could have been even like a, a college basketball game. And 
a player came off the court. I don't know what the reason was, but the coach slapped his face and then grabbed his face and then yelled at him. And I was like, how is this okay? Like, how, how are you treating another person like this? But especially how are you treating a young person like this? Mm. And how is this okay? Like it's off, well, it's not okay, but how is this allowed quote unquote in the sport? Like I, I, and that's probably not the worst case of it. The fact that coming out as gay in a professional, whatever sport, male sport particularly, is basically not almost non-existent. Is already proof enough that there is a problem there. Because when you play team sports, that's kind of tur- becomes your family in a way. Because you see that most of the time you have to work together as a team. And that you cannot come out to your family, I just say that means that there is something wrong with with whatever system you have in place because how is this threatening and i don't in general i don't quite get why especially men have that irrational fear of other gay men again it's something that's socialized in them from yeah. a very young age and one of the speakers on the documentary was a former NFL player and uh, a coach a head coach for football by the name of Joe Ironman And he said at the beginning of the documentary, and it's true, he said that the phrase, be a man, is one of the most destructive phrases in our culture. And you can hear it, like you can hear parents saying it to children, be a man. You can hear coaches saying it to their teammates or their team, be a man. Teachers saying it to their students. And it's like, when, when, how, why? All of the questions is the definition of being a man to be a masculine tough violent angry asshole so maybe we don't need to change the phrase be a man maybe that's still a good phrase be a man but be a be the type of man who is kind and loving and caring be the type of man who is brave and supportive and understanding you can be a man but that doesn't mean you need to be an asshole that doesn't mean you need to support this idea of toxic masculinity but maybe that's too high a stretch. So we just get rid of be a man and we can be like, be a good person. I don't, I don't know. Obviously, we're not here to have the answers. We're here to have a conversation. And this is a big conversation to have. It is a big conversation to have. But we wanted to have it because we have been talking so much about how, how we are so often neglected. But I feel it's, it's important to also show that it's not all fun and games on the other side. There is no one evil in this world. And that doesn't mean that every man is a problem and an enemy. They're also suffering, some more than others. And I feel that it's just also as important to point out sometimes. I agree. And I think that you can't have a proper conversation about feminism without looking at the other side and why toxic masculinity exists. Listeners, what do you think about toxic masculinity and the concepts of being a man and Maybe even more specifically to this podcast, like, have you seen this documentary? Are you going to see it? And we would love to know all your thoughts about it. Let us know on social media or wherever else you can find us. You can also join us on our Discord at geekcaring.com forward slash Discord. And we can open up a, we will open up a discussion um, about toxic masculinity and this documentary which we think everyone should, should watch. Yeah. One last thing from me, tell the people that you love that you love them every mm-hmm. single day because it does make a difference. 
that's how I'm signing off. If you like this episode of Geek Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Caring and over on geekcaring.com. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com. Thank <laughs> you.